Coming up on the Naughtiest Naughty. If this ever gets old, you can kill me. You're allowed. You're you're allowed. week Kylie went up against Kylie for Scott series winner and unsurprisingly Scott's winner is still Kylie <laughs> and for Liam Linkin Park is clinging on but could that change today Welcome to the Naughtiest Naughty Podcast. Scott and Liam here going through every single top 10 UK single of the Naughties decade, trying to find the best one. We're going through a week at a time in proper order, choosing an episode winner each week and an ongoing series winner battle each week that gets to be part of the experience. Um, and we like to kind of chat to you along the way and find out what you were doing. Love to those of you that are managing to create spreadsheets as we go. Yeah, we'd love to see some more spreadsheets. Do get them into us. Scott, I can hear you sound rough. I think I also sound probably quite rough. You're not well, are you? Yours is kind of sleepy rough. Mine's I like to sound rough whenever it's a cold and I sound like Phoebe and Friends when she <laughs> has the sexy voice. Um, mine's isn't a sexy voice, yeah. So um, there was a nice little bug came back from my little boy's nursery um, that for some strange reason goes from sickness and diarrhoea to a chest infection. Nice. So I'm not sure what that is, but it is not COVID. I have taken a lot of tests um, and it is not COVID, but um, obviously I was pretty nervous for a period of time there. Mm. And plus I've had my first vaccination, so I don't know what's going down. Oh, congr- yeah. congratulations. Mine's today. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Hair fever, I'm all bunged up. My eyes have gone like pink. They're, um, it's it's not pretty, but oh. yes, aren't we enjoying the lovely British summer? Isn't it glorious for everyone? Yay! You're like the Ren and Stimpy of Newcastle upon Tyne, aren't you? P- pretty much, yeah. I reckon that's the earliest we've ever said diarrhea on the podcast before. By the way, oh, was that it? was a good like sort of oh. minute, minute and a half, two minutes in. Yeah, so Squits. congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so to get to music, which is I'm sure what everyone's interested in. Not that your diarrhea isn't important, of course, Scott, but um. Last week, we both felt very guilty for not choosing Westlife because a world of our own is such a big banger. It deserved a platform that neither of us gave it because Kylie came along and gazumped them completely. Yeah. However, the listeners did pull through on the vote. Uh, we'll go from the bottom to the top. A, with nothing finished, bottom 3.1. That's disappointing, oh. isn't it? That's a shame. It's a hard one because, you know, I think all four tracks are pretty good. So actually, um, somebody had to come last. But actually, when you start looking down the list, you're like, oh, yeah, A did have to come last here. Not yeah. because... It's bad, but because the other ones are really good. We'll get some A thoughts in just a second. Uh, up next was Mystique, Be With Me, 12.5. Then the big battle. Kylie was ahead for a little while, 34.4. But then the Westlife fans who didn't turn up for the World Cup in 2001 did turn up this week and they got Westlife over the line, 50%. And now I'm very, very pleased because I did want Westlife involved in the World Cup this year. The song is too good not to be involved. So thank you, listeners, for, for doing the job that we couldn't quite do. Among the people in the Westlife camp this week, surprisingly, after being very vocally not a fan, a Westlife was your wife Scott she says quite like that Westlife song yeah what are your thoughts on that well you can't not like parts of it I think there's something I think this is the this is the Westlife song that exposes you whether you're just being an absolute Westlife hater for the sake of hating them or whether you are really listening to the music and I think if you do listen to the music for this one that Westlife one you should get sucked in because it is hooky and there's so much about it that actually is really really good Mm. and actually the bit that lowers the stock is the fact it's a Westlife track. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so so people that know music will be able to say, yeah, actually, that element of that is really good. So, yeah, I get that. Mm. Mark from Glasgow said, at the time, can't believe I bought this, but the best thing they ever did. I felt like a screaming girl about Westlife. <laughs> uh, Beth Smith says, world of our own, 10 out of 10. And Rebecca Broda said, nothing hits in the same way as that last chorus of world of our own. Those ad-libs are just... And then a uh, twinkle emoji. Yes, I agree. Cool. Uh, Kim Siliyeshi says, uh, Westlife is catchy, but not for me. Saying that it's been in my head constantly since I listened to last week's episode. I think it's been 
been the same for everyone. I've, I've had bits in my head all week. She says, But In Your Eyes is my favourite Kylie song. Love the melody and that sweet bass line. A Nothing brings back so many awesome memories of going to Metro's, which she says is Cardiff's finest rock club, oh. and screaming my heart out to this song. <laughs> and that, that is an experience, isn't it? Being in a rock club, yeah. bouncing around to A, because it's one of those tracks that you're like... On the on the terms of like the thrashometer of like how how big your head bangs are, like from your head at the top of your body to hitting the floor as you kind of like jump up and down, mm-hmm. the swing on that is quite big. Yeah. I can imagine like almost banging your head off the floor with how <laughs> big the head bang is for that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, Obi Moo says after three tracks, I was dreading making a choice. Oh, that's that's awful to hear. Yeah, uh, because at that point it was nope, meh, meh. I'm not saying A was a classic, but even seeing the title before, I didn't remember it. But as soon as the clip started, I remembered every word. I'd rather have a thrash than a bop. Yeah. That is so heartbreaking to hear, though. After those three tracks that you had nothing nothing positive to say. Yeah. That is so far from our experience. But again, it shows just a wide spectrum of opinion on our podcast. Yeah, I do think that, you know, we've discussed that sometimes we see things on paper and then we start doing the prep and things change or we've done our prep and then we talk and then things change as well so I love the fact that we have preconceptions about how things are going to go or things we're going to think we don't remember something and all of a sudden we're like oh my god that's a jam so yeah I love that um, Pick a Disc says that he could not remember the Mystique track but um, the others um, I do Kylie better than Can't Get Out of My Head but signalling an uphill trajectory for some absolute bangers later on mm-hmm. um, Nothing is probably my track of the week because it still lives in my head all these years later and World of Her Own is the only Westlife song I like and once wrote an unrecorded parody song called Download Free Tones on your mobile phone um, <laughs> as we're in the time of repeated adverts from mobile tones um, and I'll see if I can find the lyrics somewhere they may exist somewhere that's pretty good I love whenever people do stuff like that that's what my brain does maybe Pick a Disc should work radio as well yes well I think Matt find the lyrics and we'll turn your unrecorded parody <laughs> into a recorded parody please do send that into us and we'll we'll collaborate on that one that and uh, finally before we get into the episode Play Your Pods Right says I sense a Kylie battle coming on for Scott well that's exactly what happened um, he says he got to agree with Discs though this is prime Kylie and fun fact my wrestling trainer Sticks is good mates with A <laughs> as it turns out they grew next they grew up next door to his mum that's class I love those celebrity connections I want to know more. I want to find out what they really like. I want to know why the wrestling trainer was called Sticks. Was the <laughs> there was a guy like a twig and then de- like determined to like put on mass or something like that. And actually, unless it's you know whenever somebody's just absolutely built and then they call him slim. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just yeah, for the joke. Yeah. I wonder if Sticks is actually just like massive potentially too. <laughs> but coming up on today's episode for the first time in a while, all of these artists are making show debuts. There is Belgian trance from Glasgow, Canadian rock from Nickelback, and Colombian whatever you want to call what Shakira does. Yeah, we're still not really sure. Nah. Uh, and over here in Blightly, the crowning of two very different kinds of pop idol. Ooh, uh, Beverly Knight being one of them. But first... So this is the start of a brand new week and the start of a brand new month and the start of a brand new era for pop music. We said this back when Hearsay was a thing, like it did change things. And I think the the ripple effect from this moment that's going to happen right now is uh, is so huge. I think we can't underestimate just how significant this moment is is in terms of what it did for music, be it good or bad, but let's face it, more likely in the grand scheme of things, bad. Uh, I think the industry is still recovering from the effects of this now. I think it has to some degree, but there's still fragments that are still there. The man who made this all happen is still on TV making lots of money and it's a bit sickening really. Anyway, we can't blame Will Young. He was just a participant in the machine. Uh, It chewed him up. It kind of spat him out. He's still doing stuff now. We're quite chuffed for him, but... This is where it all began. It's Will Young and his two-part winner's single after he was crowned the first winner of Pop Idol. And the first song we'll do is called Anything Is Possible. Of course it is. So this was written by Chris Braid and Kathy Dennis. Mm. Uh, so you think you think you're onto a winner? Yeah. My first note is uncomfortably S Club Seven. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Yeah, which is odd. Um, 
I forgot it. Yeah. I find that it's quite weird. There's, you know, there's no, there's no fault in Will Young here. His voice is brilliant, but there's something screaming at me that this is clearly a mistake. They do not match. This this song was never customized for him. This song was a song that was completely constructed to be a chart hit tick, tipping boxes. Mm-hmm. And then he just got slotted into it as the winner. And it should never really have worked. And it kind of, weirdly enough, I know there's a whole Westlife chat to come, yeah. but it really, really reminds me of Against All Odds that Steve Brookstein yeah. covered yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. But I, I don't buy this. This this all seems like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. There's something that screams wrong here. Mm. Nothing matches up. Like, I think... What we do is in future in the next series of that reality TV show, we get something a bit more authentic, but we also get something equally as rubbish as an output. Yeah. But I just I just don't buy this at all. I don't get it. Shall we do a quick blast of the pop idol story? Because we did, we gave hearsay that we gave hearsay their story. We kind of got a bit of background on them, and it it can help us make sense of why all this has happened. So Will was twenty three when he won pop idol. He yet two years younger than me now. He'd been doing a politics degree at Exeter. Then he became a musical theatre student. Had a very middle class affluent upbringing. Went to prep school, and actually spoken recently about how all of that stuff like had a major impact on his mental health because of course it does private school sounds like a fucking nightmare um, he actually dreamed of being an Olympic sprinter oh, wow. and had more sport and ambitions than than pop music but he got swayed he actually in 1999 auditioned for a boy band which had Simon Cowell and Kate Thornton on the panel of judges mm. and in that band in that band were Lee Ryan from Blue mm-hmm. Declan Bennett who was in Point Break, or would go on to be in Point Break, and Andy Scott Lee, the brother of Lisa Scott Lee, who was oh, in yeah. uh, 3SL and actually competed in Pop Idol Season 2. So there's that. So he, he had a bit of a pop background. He was encouraged to go and you know audition for Pop Idol. It was in a magazine, I think, or a newspaper, saying, you know, we're looking for contestants for this new was it? thing. Uh, <laughs> allegedly, yeah. So the prize for Pop Idol was a £1 million recording contract with BMG. You'd be represented by 19, who, of course, was Simon Fuller. This is all Simon Fuller. And to to win, you need to go through the whole process of reality TV. In in the first time it had been seen in the UK, really, because the whole pop stars thing wasn't a reality TV show. It was a documentary, essentially, wasn't it? This was a brand new format Every week they'd be on TV, performing live, doing different songs, getting critiqued, and we would have the power to vote. Uh, actually, Will's journey to get that far in the competition took, it, it wasn't an easy road, you know, for a winner. He actually got put in the maybe room a couple of times. He was called distinctly average in his first audition on the live on the live shows, which Will kind of fought back with. And that's potentially where he started to claw it back because he stuck up himself to Simon Cowell, Mr. Nasty, and he endeared himself to the public. So this was a whole, it's a popularity thing as well. It's a popularity contest. You know, the, the final of Pop Idol in the week building up to him and Gareth Gates going head to head. They actually went out on battle buses like politicians, garnering support from people, from celebrities, from voters. It's all bizarre. It captured the hearts and minds. 8.7 million people voted in the final. It crashed BT and he won with 53.1%. So that's a bit about Will. That's how he got there. Again, I think with the pop stars thing and the pop idol thing, they're trying to make a, a narrative and a story out of a regular person. It could be you. It could be anyone. You know, Will did have more of a, a middle class background than other people maybe have had who've done this kind of thing. But... Generally speaking, he is an average person and they they package this whole thing up as it could be you. And this song, Anything Is Possible, is a continuation. And actually, you're saying there about Against All Odds as well. All of these songs that they do as the winner singles, they're all kind of like brainwashing cult kind of things. Like, you know, it, they're kind of very gaslighty songs. The musicians sing these songs like, my life has been changed forever. This is the best thing to happen to me ever. I couldn't live without this. Thank you, Simon Cowell. Thank you, Simon Fuller. And um, they're, they're really, really like cr- creepy and disgusting to me. <laughs> I agree. To be fair, um, I, I'm in a really weird position with this because I'm like, right, what the hell do you say to this? Because I'm not convinced that Will Young just one day picked up uh, a newspaper and saw an audition process. And then went for that audition and got through, especially mm. if he's already met Simon Coyle. Um, and how long? How many years ago was this? Uh, this was Pop Idol was in two thousand and one. Right. So this is going to be twenty one years soon, or it's going to be twenty years soon enough, which means that the legals change pretty soon, ah. and people can then say, like Mylene did last year, about how she never actually auditioned. 
for hearsay, and she not long after we'd spoken in the podcast, uh, she clearly kind of exposed the fact that she'd never applied mm. to be on that program. Mm. She just managed to get into the band. Um, I'm not convinced Will Young racked up one day and properly auditioned mm. without any nudge, nudge, hint, hint, we think you should do this. Actually, here's some management and then... Uh, I wouldn't say that the the narrative wasn't already predetermined, but it's a difficult conversation to pretty much have. But I do not believe this, and I don't think it's like I think Will's brilliant. Like yeah, Will's really, yeah. really good. Weirdly enough, I voted for Garth. I voted. <laughs> I voted for Garth Gates because I liked Garth Gates. Yeah, and I want Gar- Garth felt like a real person. Yeah, but I do think that you know Will vocally is great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as for that track, it's just a, it, it would have been better just. Put on hold and given to S Club Seven. Yeah, you know, yeah. really. Well, that's the but point. It's it, that, it, that machine it, is weird. It's it's a Kathy Dennis written track, and Simon Fuller got in touch with Kathy off the back of uh, I'm forgetting which song it was now. But oh no, yeah, yes. So Simon Fuller heard "Have You Ever" by S Club Seven, and then got in touch with Kathy Dennis and um, and Chris Braden and said, you know, can you can you write me a winners track? And uh, yeah, so if it, if it sounds S Club Seventy, it's because that's exactly what Simon Fuller wanted. Yeah, um, because it because that song has got a multiple range of voices, a multiple range of you know genders. This track was written for no one in particular. It was just a case of this needs to be a surefire yeah bullseye. Yeah, yeah. And what you need to be able to do is you know like whenever they're like right Sophie here's can't get out of my head and then Sophie sings it and like no scrap that they needed a veto they needed to be able to scrap it and to do something that wasn't the wasn't the final round song evergreen you know they needed something new and fresh but they needed flexibility with that and if this is the best thing that they could have come up with and plucked out for will young as a winner they didn't try hard enough they probably in all fairness it's you know it's the first it's the first series they'll, they'll, they'll have learned a, a load but i still think at this point we were in a position where we were just being lied to excessively and what's what's the word uh, creative control or is it a coercive control no no creative control <laughs> so there's a term in media and one of the radio stations that's huge uses it to justify pretending people have rang radio stations when they haven't rang radio stations creative license right so yes, there's yeah. a there's a thing called creative license where you can twist things and actually i think you know i've got i've got people who work for my radio stations that have not applied for reality shows but have been guaranteed to get to certain points in reality shows. Mm. Uh, and then I have other people that have gone and turned up that have stood in the queues and they've been made laughing stocks of. Yeah, yeah. Because they queued. And it's like, if you don't get approached by them, you don't bother your arse applying for these things. So yeah, it's, it's just all all sits really weird with me. And actually, and actually it goes to show you, I'm scared of what I should say. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, maybe maybe I've, maybe when this has hit 20, 20 years officially and the legals around it change... You know, I'd be intrigued if there's any interviews with Will Young. Mm. Will has insisted in recent interviews that he did enjoy the experience. You know, he, he has no negative things to say about it. Maybe he would say that. I don't know. If, if we're going to lean into that kind of conspiracy side of things. I think the, the, the best thing that happened to Will Young is that he escaped the reality shackles. Like, he still has a career now. Yes. 20 years on, he's got a new album coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. He's a big star. But I think the best stuff from Will Young is not in 2002, it's in 2003. It's, it's when it's when the when he's been when he's moved on when the reality machine has moved on its next victims, its next targets. He was able to go and do his own thing on his own, you know, own terms, his own team, and it got a lot better. But these kind of like, I mean, it's it, Freaky Trigger who does the, the the blog of number one singles called a glurge, <laughs> which is a word I quite like. But it is it's glurge. They, they've called it heavy-handed, pseudo-inspirational, mawkish. Uh, Young does his best. But it's junk. Yeah. Built to serve the storyline, not the listener. And that's as fair as you can say, isn't it, really? Yeah. That really is as fair as you can say. Uh, one, one, one line I've picked out that is funny because of who it is and clearly should have been vetoed, considering the line, the will to follow through. Oh. It just makes me think about Will Young shit in his pants, which is not what you want. Yes, absolutely. No, definitely not. It's not what you want. A mappy, a man nappy. For someone like Simon Cowell, who's got a lot of money, the songs always sound so cheap, like they've cut corners. Well, that's, you know that's what, what you do, isn't it? It's like you don't spend a lot of money on a song so that you get your return back faster. And bear in mind, so what they've done with this is people think that, well, Young won a million pounds. He no. didn't. He won a million pound record contract, which is as an advance. And that means that they will invest a million pounds in him and he will get paid after they've made that million pounds back after that. So he lives off expenses for the first million pounds, whether that takes a year, whether it takes a month. And then that's when Will starts to make money. So when you're a band or an artist, what you don't do is you do not want a huge advance because if you can't make that back, you get dropped. So a million pound contract actually like this massive thing going, we're going to give you a really risky deal. 
but it makes it look it makes the show look massive and it's a really good marketing platform for you but i know i know bands that have gone out of the system because they took 250 grand and it was way way too much for them and they don't exist anymore which is devastating because they had the ability to be huge for two and 250 grand between a band of five people when you've been locked up for a year to write and you're living in like you know that, that's paying you're renting a flat you're living off expenses and all of that it's not about flash cars it is literally that's eating food and going places and being seen and doing things and a million pounds for will young was a risky risky thing at this point yeah it was a double-sided single, which is a thing that we haven't seen again, I don't think, from the reality, reality TV thing. They've always done, like, one song, whereas back here they did two songs. I guess they probably learned, you know, why put two songs in the same single when we could put them out separately and make twice as much money? Yeah. It's probably the thinking behind that one. They learned their lesson from this one because this became the, uh, the, the biggest single ever. It was the biggest selling single of the noughties until, uh, for, the, for the entire decade. Biggest selling song of the year, of the decade, and the millennium until Pharrell Williams' Happy came along in 2015. It sold a million copies in a week, and it was triple platinum, with almost two million sales total. So, as much as it's shit, same as hearsay, pure and simple, it's not about the song, it's about the story. And what they what they engineered here was a brilliant bit of TV that people loved, and a, and a, and a character that they really got invested in, and were happy to you know, to pay towards. So we all got what we wanted apart from, apart from good songs. What do you, because I, I, I always remember that I would always buy the X Factor singles, you know, like <laughs> Shane Ward or Steve Brookstein. I would buy these singles, but what enjoyment is that if you had once you've bought the single, you know, the, the show's finished. You've, you've finished watching the show. It's Christmas. You've got the single. You put it on and you just kind of like, you know I think you relive in a moment I think it's like you know whenever you've just been in a night out and you've just had this massive memory with your mates and that song keeps bringing you a little bit of glow mm. for a prolonged period of time like I do think releasing Evergreen because obviously it was the, the it was the final song that Gareth and him fought up against and Darius was gone at this point because Darius was the third runner up wasn't he yeah, yeah. so Darius never got to sing it but yeah it was that moment where they both sang it they were both fighting for the, the crown with Evergreen and then there's there's a moment Really with that. So there's like, you know, psychologically, there's a really big attachment to that song. But mm. yeah, uh, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think it's just the listening to it afterwards. But also, you know, at this point, like society was it's so hard to explain. Society was so obsessed with this that there was a club. Mm. You know, it was you kind of did. You, why, why would you watch that program then not buy that single? Yeah, that's disgraceful. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't really support. You don't support new and emerging artists that have got million pound record deals. Mm-hmm. You know, there was definitely a thing, but it was it was just. It was just a massive experience, and I loved that part of it. But yeah, there's there is there's a there's a a killjoy moment that kind of did destroy pop music in many respects at this time. Mm. There's a brilliant program on iPlayer called Celebrity: A Twenty First Century Story, which is goes into the the whole reasons as to why these kind of normal people becoming superstars was such a phenomenon. It's well worth checking out, and it it does. It goes into so much more detail than we could in our like limited time frame. It's well worth the watch because Pop Idol is covered extensively, and you just see the you see the machine and the cogs, and it's it's fascinating. Anyway, so that's part one of the two sided single. Anything is possible. Ugh, evergreen. Also, kind of ugh. Let's let's take a listen. I'm gonna take this moment and make it last forever. I'm gonna give my heart away and pray we'll stay together. This was originally a Westlife song that was only released in the Philippines. And I'm going negative straight away. Jesus, before the vocals come in, I just hate that intro. Mm-hmm. It is cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. cheaper than anything is possible. It's mushy. Yep. It's kind of nice. It does actually... It doesn't suit Westlife. It's just, yeah, it would suit Westlife. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I do think that this track is impactful. Yeah. Really. Compared to anything is possible, I do think this is a much better track. But I'm just... Again, I'm, I'm torn with this whole thing. And it isn't a Will Young thing. It is a, it is a song and a production thing and it's nothing to do with Will but it just doesn't it suits him more than anything is possible but it still doesn't suit him no it, it well it really really doesn't it's all been chosen you know during the show the fact they all perform this at the end of the series you know this whereas 
anything is possible. I think they had time to make that better because unlike the X Factor, there was like a three or four week gap between Will winning the program and the single coming out. And it was the same for Hearsay. There was a there was a gap between the song coming out because I had time to like build a radio play for it. X Factor, you know, they'd win on the Friday, the song had come out on the Sunday and it'd be in the charts again for the following Friday sort of thing. Here, they had a few weeks. Evergreen was during the show. So, you know, that, that was always part of the plan. But anything that's possible, I had so much time to make that better and they didn't. Anyway, Evergreen, it's a Westlife track. It's on the same label as, as all of this is. It's BMG, so it makes sense that that's been plucked from there. The Westlife version is essentially the same, a bit more Irish in sound. Like, you know, the instruments that are, that are used are a bit more Irish in sound. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a song written for nobody. It's been written for Westlife potentially, but more likely just written by a songwriter and then bought by Westlife and used by Westlife. Ah, I, I, I was kind of looking forward to this because I do think this is a lot better than the, the other one, but still still not great. It is so generic and so impersonable. I really haven't written a lot of notes on this, except there's one line. It's that same thing of like when we spoke about Age From Steps in The Way You Make Me Feel and the fact that this song is written for nobody, that Will has to sing the line, you're the only girl that I need. Oh shit, yeah. And again, it's one of those things, it's like, he, he he came out a few weeks after Pop Idol and actually I credit Will Young as being the first person to really, through the help of the tabloids, although they weren't being helpful in the way they did this, they were being malicious to create scandal and create story and create profit. But Will Young is how I discovered what being gay actually meant. Oh wow. Like as a five-year-old, like seeing the newspapers saying like, Will's gay. Mm-hmm. And I had the question, I was I, I remember it clear as day being in the Metro Centre and Gate said, well my dad were in Burger King seeing the newspaper saying Will's gay and going, dad, what's gay? And his, his answer was really good because he said like, well, you know, gay actually historically has been, uh, you know, a word for happy, but there is other connotations of it. So Will, Will Young is the first person that I can kind of distinguish and say like, ah, so that's, you know, him doing that was very important. Yeah, it, 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 did, it did break down stigma. But again, it's that same thing of like, why wasn't this vetoed? Why was this allowed to happen? It's not, it doesn't, none of it clicks. Like it's a song written so impersonably that like, I just feel bad that he had to do that. Yeah. I feel bad that he had to do that. It was a machine. It wouldn't sell if people thought it was about a boy. It would never have hit a million. You know what I mean? I think the song, like it, it could have been written for Garth Gates, but this suits Garth Gates. Evergreen yeah. seems like it could be really authentic for him and that it connects with him because he was such a, a boy next door and it worked whereas you know Will you know like looking back now because I didn't know as much about different genres of music Will is clear as day a singer-songwriter like a really talented singer-songwriter you know working in, his, in, a, in a, a much more of an independent system you know he doesn't he doesn't need major major labels he, he could probably work off subsidiaries and do really really well but mm. yeah I think that's really, I think that's great I can't remember what my first kind of exposure to education of people being gay was I don't really remember what that was but I think that that's really special that that's what that was for you because mm-hmm. I think that was actually a really important moment back in 2002 really that's class it really was and it, and like I say it's a shame that it wasn't it wasn't because he just decided to come out it's because it got leaked and he had to then jump the gun yeah to get to Aye. get ahead of the story you know it, 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 they, they found out through illicit means and then he had to do it on their terms, which is just show, it's just so shit. Mm-hmm. It's just so shitty. But again, that's what the tabloids were like, and in some ways, are still like. Yeah. But hey ho, I've got nothing more to say uh, apart from that. Will does. W- w- I can't discredit Will at all. It's just what he was given. He was set up to fail, except he didn't fail because they made loads of money. Yeah. But creatively, this is like this is not what you want, is it? When you when you're a budding musician, this is the start of your career. Fair enough, you're, you're successful, you're a number one artist, the biggest artist in British history, like a week into your career, but it's creatively, it's, it's peshiness. <laughs> anyway, all of this makes it a shame for this next artist because Enrique Iglesias has been top of the charts for three weeks at this point, then Will Young comes along, knocks him off, and we almost had, if it wasn't for Pop Idol, we almost had Enrique passing the baton to Shakira to go from one crossover hit to another. What a shame. And actually, there's been quite a lot said on this. Alexis Petridis, who does um, music reviews for The Guardian at the time, he said that Will Young's chart success over Shakira was galling. Yeah. And he said this, The programme promised to discover a pop idol, a powerful phrase that conjures up images of someone colourful, larger than life and slightly unpredictable, Mark Bolam, Boy George, Madonna, even Robbie Williams. Instead... 
we've got the new millennial Engelbert Humperdinck, a man who resembles the local young conservative's treasurer, crooning a cover version so saccharine that it makes Westlife's original sound like the dead Kennedys. Uh, young may have sold a lot of records, but he's resolutely not a pop idol. Someone should sue him under the Trade Descriptions Act. What a difficult week for Will. <laughs> it's, I, I, I know, and it's, and, and again, it's not his fault, is it? Nah. He entered the competition probably, probably well, if, if he entered at all, but, <laughs> well, you, <laughs> let's let's stop talking now. You know, he, he wouldn't have wanted the media circus that followed, but you can't do pop idol and not have a media circus around you, but that's another story. Yeah. It all comes at the cost of Shakira, who definitely, 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 million percent should have had number one this week. In terms of what is the better song, this should be like number, they should create a new number, really, I think, for how much better this is than 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 Pop Idol's Slurge, but whatever. This is Shakira's big crossover breakthrough hit, number two, seventh biggest single of the year, 38th biggest of the decade, 83rd biggest of the century, platinum selling, million copies sold, big across the whole world it's Shakira and Whenever Wherever This is from her fifth studio album, uh, not realising she'd had five at this point, uh, yeah. but her actual English language debut. She was Colombian. I had no idea she was Colombian or anything. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. Um, an interesting place to be. Oh, huge Latin vibes. Mm-hmm. So, so good. Big, massive hook. Nice range. And man alive, I was sitting thinking today, what did I love about this? What did I love? And then the pan pipes come in and it's like, Jesus, yeah. the pan pipes <laughs> are mint. Yeah. They're just so, so good. And I know I've said I love steel drums. Steel drums, pan pipes. Oh, now it's a party. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. happy. I have known from the moment I thought of the idea for this podcast that this would be a, a winner at some point. Shit. When we recorded episode zero at the very beginning of all this to kind of like set, the, to, to lay out the, the premise of the show, I said to you, Shakira, and you were like, ha ha ha, of course it's not. And you genuinely thought I was joking. And then over time, you've discovered that actually it's not a joke at all. And I'm being genuinely serious. Because in that time, we've had the we had the halftime show of JLo and Shakira doing that. And I think then you realise that actually like people my age do love Shakira like we're not we're not we're not we're not we're not bullshitting about this at all yeah there's been debates no I was really surprised that so many people that uh, were really taken aback by Shakira and not that fussed about Jado mm-hmm. and I was like are you serious are you serious um so yeah I, I was a bit shocked that actually because there's sometimes with Shakira and I think there's things lacking in the tracks but not this one no I don't think there's anything lacking in this but I just remember I have I've just got good memories to this. Mm-hmm. There was, I mm-hmm. think there was a girl, a girl I was kind of seen at the time, and this was wasn't our song, but it was a, <laughs> it was always a joke, really. Um, and she used to dance around to it and stuff like that, and we used to like giggle when it said that uh, lucky that my breasts are small and humble, <laughs> so you don't confuse them with mountains. We're like <laughs> Shakira said breasts, yeah. that's good. Uh, but yeah, I think this is I think this is pretty special. But for me, a lot of it was about the music video, yes, because that ended up enhancing the experience because when I'd go to like bars and clubs and things like that where they would play this kind of stuff you know girls would try dance like they're Shakira mm. so in the video she climbs out of the sea but it is all about the hips yeah. if you don't if you've never seen the video and you're not really really focused on Shakira dancing you need to think like you need to clear your mind remember no one's ever seen anybody like this before she climbs out of the sea and then there's just hips yeah. everywhere and she's just like just so captivating than everything that she does but girls started dancing with their hips and stuff and it kind of it just made all of these extra moments for you no matter where you went nightlife wise yeah it's such an interesting point like Shakira was so fresh out the box in terms of like the UK and you know not Latin parts of America that she may as well have crawled out of the sea and it's actually quite a good (laughs) metaphor for her her arrival she's so unique and so strange and so different and so immediately a star she may as well have come out of the sea it's such a good it, it, it actually makes perfect sense it's funny you've mentioned that you're trying to figure out why it's as good as it is like you were trying to put your finger on it and i and i had the exact same thing and i 
because I've known this song was going to be a big moment in the show for me, I've never really put it under the scope and gone, actually, why is it? What is it about it that I love so much? And the, yeah, the pan pipes. Yes, I think Shakira herself is a really good like character to watch and listen to. She's got a unique voice. She does things that we haven't heard before, whether with the way she like, you know, puts reverb into some words, got like a weird dialect. There is just a je ne sais quoi. Okay. It is, I, 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 I could try and bullet point exactly why, or I could just throw a dart at the whole thing and say, I don't know. It's one of those tracks. It's just, it has a hold. I think, I think most people would say the same thing. It's just a je ne sais quoi that you can't quite put your finger on, but you love it. Would you, if it comes on the radio, would you listen to the whole thing still the whole way through? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, in, in 20, in nearly 20 years, I've not skipped it ever, 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 ever. I've always played it in full, sang along, danced along, laughed along, loved along, lived along. It's one of those ones. It's it's. I, if this ever gets old, you can kill me. You're allowed. You're, you're allowed. <laughs> what do you do with your hips whenever this is going off? If I'm walking for the bus and this comes on, my hips are going. It, do, it puts a spring in your step. It does. It does like, yeah. It does. It really puts life into you. She she is just such a unique performer. The, the words I've got written here, like she's a, she's alien. At this point, nobody's seen anybody like this. She's bringing loads of sounds you've not heard before in mainstream chart music. You've got flutes, pan pipes. There's a South American guitar in there called the charango. You know, this is a really u- unique, strange package that I think sucked a lot of people in, hence why I got number two. And the themes, you know, the, the themes are so buried within really interesting, weird lyrics. But the themes at the centre are so universal and so, like, relatable, understandable. Like, the concepts are so, you can see yourself in them. It's just about long-distance relationships and what kind of things you put yourself through to be in them. But even, not even long-distance ones, just relationships generally. It's about the kind of, like, the the stuff you put yourself through for the for the power of it, which is quite nice. And you've mentioned, you've, you've mentioned the, the, the lyric, you've, 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 you've shot the gun quite early there, but oh, um, sorry. it's, it's, it's quite okay. Cause it is, it is a thing that you can't not notice. Like no, nobody could listen to the song and not pull out the, you know, lucky that my breasts are small and humble. So you don't confuse them with mountains line. Cause it's such a weird lyric. And yes. I think it's unfair. It's, it's unfair that so many people pick on that line and kind of like, that's the one thing they pull out. There's so many other lyrics that I like a lot more. Like, baby, I would climb the Andes slowly to count the freckles on your body. Wow. Wow. What a lyric. It doesn't have the word breasts in it, Liam. It's all about the word breasts. I know it doesn't have the word breasts. And and, and, yeah, yes, I know. But uh, actually, apparently that line isn't as clunky in Spanish either. Apparently it makes a lot more sense in Spanish. I'm sure a lot of the song does but yeah the 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 breast line is drawn to a lot but again it's one of those things that you just can't not you can't not love about it yeah like she she did that she did that i think that it's all really special like i really do like this i remember in the music video loving the bit where she's kind of she's crawling around in, in some mud and then she curls her leg around her arm and she's in this like really strange kind of semi-scorpion position and i think the whole thing was she was just so mysterious it was like who is this chick? Mm-hmm. You know, actually, I'm trying to think. Is it is it kind of a little bit stereotypical? Obviously, to have pan pipes and stuff, and you know, now now on reflection back, thinking, oh, they've brought this Colombian singer. Are they just trying to sell her? So what they're doing is they're making it look like she's just crawled out of the jungle and swam across the sea or something. And actually, she is a bit like she's she's a bit cave womanish, really. Mm-hmm. Maybe is, is, is am, am I going down this as an actually a really offensive approach? Line. But yeah, but there was there was something captivating. There was something very special. And I think at this point, straight away, everybody knew that there was something special about Shakira. Oh, big, big time. And I think like the fact that she's still a big star now, she could do the Super Bowl with JLo when it made total sense. Like that, I, I don't, I don't think there was a disparity. Whereas you probably would have thought there was a disparity between the quality of them when it first happened. I think now you could say, well, I would certainly say that the two equals, they are two equals of different eras. Yeah, I do think that J- everything J-Lo does is a bit catchier. Yeah, maybe. And I don't know whether that's maybe. just my age. But, uh, but I do, I do, fi- I find that putting J-Lo songs beside Shakira songs, I was really bored with Shakira songs and mm-hmm. I like Shakira's songs. So I, I, I think, you know, you know, if you're going to, it's like me going onto a modeling thing or going onto, what's that, naked attraction. <laughs> I want to be standing beside somebody who's remotely similar to me. I don't want to be beside the other dude who's like ripped and that, you know, is probably going to walk off that show and end up on, you know, his Essex or something like that. It's, mm. they, they weren't comparable. They're comparable in the fact, in the fact that the, their songs are of like Latin heritage and their backstories, you know, Latino, but that's not, it just, it didn't, it was great. Like it was great and it was captivating and stuff, but 
it didn't bring them closer together. It didn't put them side by side for me. JLo still kind of stuck out. Mm. To go back to Alexis Petridis, who, you know, said that the Shakira being number two was just unthinkable, basically. He said that her image, seemingly designed by a committee of perverts, lies somewhere between Britney Spears, Beyonce Knowles, and glamour model Jordan. That means she has virtually every media base covered. To the tabloids, she's a sexy stunner. Teen titles think she's the new Britney. In men's magazine, she's a leggy diversion from endless articles on achieving your best sex ever. Were it not for Pop Idol, we would have spent this week talking about nothing but Shakira. And that's probably true. It's probably true. Actually, I wonder if she would have been like a bigger superstar had it not been for Will Young. I think so. Like, yeah, not that she's I think small, so. but I wonder. I'd love to have seen, you know, the sliding doors version of what would have actually happened had Will Young's single not come out that week. Yeah. I think she. I think she, she's she's been robbed. She really has been robbed. Yeah, but yeah, I would. Yeah, I would in, agree in the, in the worst possible way. Back at the start of lockdown, my breasts were small and humble as well, and now they're plentiful and aggressive. Yeah, mine's are mine's are droopy mountains. Mine's look like the the, the silks were <laughs> ski slope in Sunderland. They start at the top, and you could you could slide down and flick off the end. <laughs> So Shakira had something about her, and so did Lasgo, because the song's even called something. This is the debut single from the Belgian group and it's off the debut album, Some Things. Yeah. Uh, and I've got it down as an intro juice. I think mm-hmm. if you listen to it on headphones or it's in a stereo kind of environment, uh, there's a very special pan that comes in straight away that just creates like a massive atmosphere too. Um, I've always loved the thundery mumbling bass line. Did you know this before you pressed playing it? Yeah. As my old yeah. producer? Yeah, 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 yes, 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 I did. Um, and, and and it's through your show that I've, gone, I've grown a love for it. I do distinctly remember being on one of your like show promos that goes out during the day oh, yeah. to promote the show so yeah I, I've always really liked this one and I've got a lot of affection for it only doing the research to know like who was in Lasgo and what the kind of makeup of the group was and the connections to Ian Vandal as well yeah. which I wasn't aware of so I think I think during this whole era anything kind of European like Central European Ian Vandal was linked to Christoph contributes to a lot of different things yeah I love this this I love how it like just starts then it drops into this just like spacey atmospheric almost trance even though it's not necessarily it is it's kind of a trance song yeah. uh, but there's just this like really special atmosphere that comes through it vocally think she's brilliant hook loads I knew every word and I was just really happy listening to this yeah I mean, I, like I think lyrically and vocally it's really addictive and strong it's one that I always come back to because the vocals are always such a like a they feel like a real part of the song that had like a lot of time invested into them. Like mm-hmm. the, it, it's whereas some trans tracks, it feels like an afterthought. This feels very much like it was all built as one thing where everything was important to each other. I hope that's the case. I hope that actually is the case. But having spoken to Christoph about Ian Van Dahl, I'm I'm, ass- I'm sure that that Lasgo and their intricate way they put songs together was was the same because. You know, they're all geeks, essentially, but we love them for it. Yeah. There's so many layers to this. There's so many layers. I love that kind of like the ping pong back and forth. Bam, 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 bam. I like, I like, I, the way it pans is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The line that I've picked out, the one that stands out, is just the hold me in your arms. Me hold your me arms. in your arms. I ch- I, it's chilling. Mm-hmm. It is chilling. It really is. Like, it really is. It, it's beautiful. There's an entry in the John Peel uh, Wikipedia. Like, he's got his own Wikipedia thing, like, like a, a whole Wikipedia type database thing just for John Peel, the oh. Radio 1 DJ. Mm-hmm. And there's an entry for Lasgo because he heard this song in a techno tent at a music festival in Groningen in the Netherlands. And he said it was rather pleasurable. Wow. So there you go. John John Peel's a fan. Uh-huh. But he was he was a he was a fan of a lot of this kind of stuff. Like he loved um that fucking horrible 
uh, hamster song we did. I forget what it's called now. Which is, yeah. Yeah. The fact I can't remember what it's called is a really good sign that I have like managed to purge out my brain. But yeah, John Peel was a fan, which uh, which which goes a long way. Uh, and I'm a massive fan too. Yeah. And it was big. Like it was big at number four in the UK, number five in Belgium, where they're from, number ten on the US dance chart. So wow, this yeah. captured hearts and minds, and it's easy it's easy to see why because it's just gorgeous in it. I love this BPM. This was very much a, a Nova a Nova anthem. The video to the original from 2002, just so European. And I was like, oh, I love the I love the look of that train station. Yeah. And then I realised it was actually a train station in Prague, and Prague's one of my favourite cities. Yeah. There was trains. Well, there was there was the what do you call them? The the it's not like a, it was the trams. So there was like the proper old school looking trams. It looked diverse. And actually, in the video to this. There's a female couple, ah. big deal. So I oh know we've done we've done breasts from <laughs> Shakira, but there's actually girls holding hands at a table, um, and I never I never realised that at the time. But actually, from a diverse point of view, that was pretty risky to put mm. into a music video yeah, and yeah. you know I love the fact that they tackled something like that and tried to normalise lesbian relationships it's really good stuff yeah I, 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 di- I didn't know that I didn't spot that but that is another big tick for me another big reason to root for it and it's it, it, this is a horrible week in terms of quality that this this is probably going to fall short for me but any other week any other week this would be a, a guaranteed winner and I, and I think the, the, the kind of the cruelty of how good this week is continues, in my opinion, for a band that are universally now probably quite hated. Back in 2002, they were the most played song on the radio, which is probably why they became so hated. But it's one reason why, anyway. Uh, Nickelback and How You Remind Me. This is the lead single from the third studio album, Silver Side Up. And I'm pretty much now their signature song, really. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, this was actually, like like Liam said, the top single of 2002, according to Billboard. So just a massive, massive big deal. I've got down, really nice opener. I haven't put it down as an intro juice because it, it's, 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 it's just, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. I know most of the words to it. Mm-hmm. I think generally he's got a, a great voice. Um, I like the mastering off it. I think it's got a huge hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And weirdly enough, so this is where is this February? Uh, March. We're in March, March, March now, yeah. Right. So this is me. My birthday's in March. So on my seventeenth birthday, on the day I had two driving lessons in one day, uh, because I was determined to just be able to drive about. So at this point, I've got my provisional license, and I've, I'm starting to learn to drive. And when I pass my test, my sister lends me her car. And I get into the car and this album is what's in the CD player mm. and the song's what comes on the first time I ever take a car out by myself. Yes. That was my moment. Before I start then chucking in my dance CDs and stuff <laughs> like that. But so weird enough, I have a massive attachment to Nickelback. Right, I need, I need to know this because I know there's a, I know it's all memeable and I know there's hatred, but why is there this whole Nickelback hatred? What's happened? What's going on? So I watched a video... Uh, on YouTube by a, a channel called Grunge, and it was called "How Nickelback Became the Most Hated Band in History." Oh. And they they made a, they made a great deal of points. I'm, I've I've kind of like distilled them down to the fine points. It's worth watching the video to kind of like re- to really get into all of it. But the big first thing that came along was that they they were dissed by a comedian. They were dissed on a show by a comedian and, and it caught on. Like people started kind of going along with that line, as people do. You know, they hear a comedian say a funny joke and they start to repeat it to their friends and it circulates that way. But also, a year later, we'll cover this song. It's a song called Someday. I'll play it here. This is Someday. Actually, you can you, you can go on YouTube and somebody's put the two on top of each other, and it is the same song. It is the same song completely. Mm-hmm. Lyrically different, lyrically the structure but different, but the actual the the melody of the song and the the build of the song, the it it is identical. Right, and they they became that band that had that big hit and just made it 
over and over and over and over again. This was playing the radio so much, it got ev- everyone's heads. They got sick of it, of course they did, because it got played so much. Yeah. But aside from all the music stuff too, uh, well, and, and also some songs are quite misogynist. Like, I mean, like, not not quite very misogynist in the way they talk about women as, like, objects is very kind of, like, unpleasant. This song doesn't have that, which means it's kind of, like, survived the test of time. But some of the songs are really awful. Okay. Behind the scenes, Chad Kroger is a juvenile frat boy, according to this video. He did things and... So some things that have been described are quite like you just 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 dumb stupid you know you get a bit of money and you go a bit crazy and you really? just, you just do stupid stupid shit going forward Rockstar is universally hated because it is shit. DFS used it in adverts, which made it even less credible than it already was. And a whole other bunch of reasons, but I think the internet has perpetuated all of it. The internet's made this entire thing so much worse. But Mm. I've been guilty of this myself. I've I've been a Nickelback hater, but I do think a lot of the reasons why I don't like them uh, are, are valid. Okay. Personally, I reckon there are some folks who've hopped on the meme and haven't really gone in the background as to why they actually say the things they say. They just repeat what they've been told to repeat by the mainstream media or whatever. I had that experience today where actually I went through the songs and I said, do you know this? Do you know this? Do you know this? And I went Nickelback and they went, oh my God, you're doing Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and, I was like do you, and then they couldn't answer why. It was so lame. That's why I'm asking you now. Yeah. Uh, they, they couldn't explain it to me. They just... They just jumped on it, and I hate that. Like I hate that. And yeah, there's uh, like the, stand looking at this song. This song's good. This song's really I good. I think this is a good song. I think this is a really good song. And I hate the fact that they've just become a caricature of themselves, really. But and it's the same with like maybe uh, Westlife that we've just done in the last episode. That for me might have just been so kind of good and so well played that actually that just started to destroy their career a little bit. Yeah, because. It was so popular and it was so hooky and it was so embedded in people's brains and it's so sing-alongable that actually it might have been too much in this. This might, but I didn't realize Nickel. I looked when I looked at their discography. They're still they're, they're still releasing. Yeah, like the whole way through that career, they've they've still been going. I hadn't realized that it was still such a a thing, but I do have a soft spot for them simply based on my little Rover two one four SI and British Racing Green memories of my sister's car. Well, that's nice, and th- th- this this track is. Banger, and I, but no, no matter what kind of bad shit they do, they've done or, or or still could do, they they'll always have this track, which is such an anthem. Anybody who doesn't like this track, I think they 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 need to really, like you said before, they need to think about why. Yeah, like why do you actually think that? Because this song speaks for itself so much. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. Like the, the the story behind it and the lyrics that was in it, like it's all a bit kind of depressing in some ways. Like the the song was written from quite a nasty place. He was yeah. in an argument with his girlfriend. He just scroll down a bit of a song just to get back at her, basically. One day, she heard him practicing this song, and she's like, oh, I like that. <laughs> and that defeated the whole point of what he was trying to do, because he was just trying to he was trying to write a really shitty song to get back at her. Uh, but anyway, it became enormous um, in spite of her, and uh, and, and, and she, she'll always be part of this story because, you know, she, she's the person depicted in it. And I think he told her eventually that she was the person that it was about. But yeah, he, he, he said himself, it's nasty, it's sarcastic, but I think that's a big part of the appeal is like, it's a big mainstream song. It's kind of like every lyrics dripping with like pure scorn and, you know, sardonic grimness, but it's big and heavy and it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a big moneymaker and it's, it's very easy to see why. And, and as for, as for the band and their, their success, they are still big now. They've got a core fan base who love them and, you know, like the fact they've made the same song over and over again. Cause you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, they're still a massive, massive band, but mainstream people have cast them out. But this, this, this track is, is an all time classic. It really is. So finally, at number 10 in the UK, at the end of a very busy big week, this this track holds its own. I think it does. It's from Beverly Knight. It's called Shudder, Woulda, Coulda. This 
this is a, a Hello to Beverly and it's the second single from the album Who I Am uh, which this track apparently was so popular it made the album land in the top 10 mm. Beverly do you know much about Beverly Knight? I've seen her on TV over the years right but I, I couldn't say I couldn't say I knew much about her until I did the research Beverly Knight is amazing she's not I think she might have played her cards really, really smartly so that she can have a life. But actually, she's bloody brilliant. Like, vocally, she's amazing. She she does actually does a few bits in the dance music world. But this one, um, and this, this kind of stuff was never my speed, but I loved this. I thought it had a great bass line. Uh, I love the depth of her lower register, but she can go. And actually... This song doesn't show her off, right? She's on it right now. There's a single out with Mark Knight, big DJ, and it's got Beverly Knight on it and the, I think it's the London Community Gospel Choir. Yeah. And it's a big deal. Listen listen to this. She is so, so... Good. like she can go high in that song uh, and she's brilliant there's another one I wonder if you remember this one actually this is um, uh, who I'm trying to think it was Hadji and Emmanuel and Brian Chambers and Beverly Knight Beverly Knight and Brian Chambers have like a bit of a, a vocal battle but this is called The Pressure this is huge She's just like, she's a whirlwind. Mm. Like she is so, 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 so talented and so, so good. And I just, I loved the song. I thought it was very catchy. I thought it was brilliant lyrically. And actually, I think she, I think the bulk of her songs should have done better than they did. Yeah. Because this, she only has one more top 10. She's only on this, on this podcast once more, but she has got better songs in this still to come. Yeah. This is a great like mainstream breakthrough you know before this i gather that she was kind of big in the urban scene she'd picked up some big awards got some big acclaim she had two mobiles but then through this era she became like a a, a more you know mainstream name she got brit nominations nominated for best british female at the brits and a mercury nomination as well so mm-hmm. yeah she, she put herself on the map and i think i've always had that perception of her as somebody who's like been amazing but has managed to you know sustain quite a like a normal existence yeah. she's not like she's being cool she's just cool as fuck that that's it she is she's just cool mm-hmm. yeah she is just generally cool vocally she's kind of like a grown-up sabrina from mystique in some places which is like is, is, is a compliment to both of them because they're both really really good yeah but the, the the track that's built around her you know it's quite stripped back quite minimal it's got a bit of scratching in there i quite like but yeah it the, the, the memorable bit for me is her low register which is i've, I've made a, a point of the past of kind of like i've not always got on with them but hers is so nice and yeah it rumbles but there's also a lot of different tones in this as well yeah it's a it's a complete package it's another great track just so much control in her wobble i think she's she's really good and i do think like uh, she does have better singles than this mm. but i remember i remember she did loads of promo for this so i saw her on all the different tv programs at the time and i'm so glad that it did because now i i get really excited and i play lots of her dance tracks too she did this great i think it must have been like and i think it might have got to number 13 in the chart but robin had a track called keep this fire burning probably in 2001 that never yeah. got released in the uk yeah. which the freemasons cover and make famous but beverly knight covered that and i remember it just being so so good but yeah she's oh, i think i think she's like the ultimate soul diva and she's brilliant and if she's managed to control her career to the point where she can have a life and do what she loves and still you know be on songs and doing her thing she's like maybe the smartest woman in showbiz so this is going to be quite a big week we already know i'm in a a bit of an interesting place but scott do you feel like you're in a a, Um, a tough decision anywhere do you think you're going to struggle to 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 figure out what's going to happen here i don't think the overall is a tough decision i do think the order is a tougher decision. You know, the underneath orders are a bit of a tougher decision, yeah, generally. Yeah. Well, I go for it? Yeah, go for it. Right. I'm scrapping Will Young completely. There was nothing authentic about it. And it was, I love Will. It's not a Will yeah. thing. It's an everything else to do with him thing. Uh, mm, do you know what? Weirdly enough. Um, right. Beverly Knight, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Fourth. Nickelback, How You Remind Me, third. Like you, 
even though I love it. The joy of Glasgow is amazing. I don't. I don't think there's anything within me that can say that Lasgo can beat Shakira whenever we're ever. Even though it's, it's still not, we're not in the same camp in terms of love for it. But definitely a track that should have been number one instead of Will, uh, and is it is it has positioned her as a global superstar. She's my episode winner. Okay, right, interesting. I think we're quite similar. Yeah, we are. We're the same. Yeah, we're, we're the same. Uh, for Beverly Knight. Three, Nickelback. Two, Lasgo. But again, any other week, big winner. Uh, number one, Shakira. Yeah, I think that I think that's we've we've said that in such a chill way. I get the feeling there's some drama to come. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, so mm-hmm. for you, you've got Kylie, big Australian pop princess who's kind of like right in the middle of her big mainstream career. Yeah. Uh, up against Shakira, somebody at the very beginning of their mainstream career, having crossed over from Colombia. Uh, I think I know what's going to happen here, but let's find out anyway. Scotty, is he drone? Before we started chatting, what you would have thought was right by a, a mile, but then we started talking, <laughs> uh, which is the great part of this podcast, really. So the gap closed a lot, and Shakira really started to get up to Kylie quickly. Um, and you have elevated Shakira in my brain and I think I'm, I'm much closer to the youth culture love for Shakira than what it was when we started having this conversation and I didn't like I didn't dislike anything about her like she is a global superstar I do still think that there's something really special about Can't Get You Out of My Head that beats Shakira and there might be I think this might be my actually my favourite Shakira track but there could be from our conversations better things to come and future Shakira could really put up a stronger fight for Kylie but Kylie stays on Okay, fair enough. There, there is other, there is other Shakira tracks that are well worth looking forward to. My mate Joe, he loves "Underneath Your Clothes." That's nice. Um, yeah, everyone loves "Hips Don't Lie" as well. Oh, I don't love that. Oh, do you not? No. Oh, well, well, at least, at least you love this. I'll let, I'll let you off because you love this. That's fine. Okay, um, I think based on the fact that you have mentioned that right when we first started doing this podcast, this was stuck in your head as something potential. We maybe didn't estimate how much of an emotional impact that Lincoln Park was going to have yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. But right, let's let's give you your drone. Lincoln Park versus Shakira. Well, you're very correct in that I didn't ever anticipate Lincoln Park being such a big winner. But then when it became a winner, suddenly everything else became insubstantial yeah. and nothing. It it batted off so many big tracks. Uh, just because you can't really hold it up against anything because everything looks pretty flimsy in comparison. Like, you know, Linkin Park is about something really big and it's powerful, impactful. But then Shakira comes along with this complete, like, what on earth is this? But it's it's like transfixing and mesmerizing in a, in a way that anything Linkin Park's faced so far just hasn't had. There's personal connection with this, there's emotional connection with this, there's memories, there's feelings, there's just like the the positive sensation it puts through my entire being. And I've had to try and think about the justification for this. I've had to think about how can I do this when I've when Linkin Park's been such an easy choice for so long. Mm-hmm. But this is the week where that changes. But I can't, I still can't define why. I just can't. But that's part of the reason why I love it. But the, 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 there is there is nothing to really distinguish exactly why that is. Mm-hmm. But it's happening. <gasps> it's happening right now. This is one of the only tracks that I think could do this. I think if you put any other future winner up against Linkin Park, it probably would be it would be a no. But this one does it, and Shakira takes it. No. Shakira is my winner. <gasps> Oh wow, Jesus! <clears throat> but I knew that was going to happen. I just, I, I, I just needed to figure out why. I, but I still haven't. I think to, but it still has happened across the weeks. Every week, it's the same as whatever I do with Kylie. Like it'd be really easy for me to forget what I've said about Kylie because it was so long ago, um, and I have to refresh myself as to why it's so 
good and why it connects with so many people and there's loads of different elements to it and you know you forget week in week out but you are in this, this could be forever territory with you now i think whenever we start getting comments on this that they'll help get you extra bullet points as to why it's so special yeah. and we might find that other people support and give you extra this is why it's special this is why it's special but yeah, yeah there is there is definitely something very special about that and i've got i have a i do have a massive place in my heart for that track you know because of like the moments and the times that i've had with it but wow mm-hmm. fun place i had con- i had convinced myself that lincoln park was going to be it while also knowing that this was coming up but i, I but i got myself so deep into lincoln park that i thought well I think now I can safely say that Shakira won't do it, but it it has. Okay, it has. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lincoln Park. I I will always love it, but it's 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 gone. I can't believe it's gone. Jesus. But it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel un- unnerved by it. To be fair, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so change, change, change. Right. Let's let's move. Let's move on. Yeah. I'm exhausted. So I think once again we've chosen four tracks we have, which makes listeners' choice dead easy. Yeah. Shakira, Lasgo, Nickelback, Beverly Knight, and No Place for Will Young which is a shame for him, but not for the machine that spat him out. Uh, So head across to our Twitter page at TNNPod on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. And hello at TNNPod for your voice notes and emails, especially on Shakira, just to give (laughs) me some some, some moral support, Mm -hmm. because I feel like that could be quite a controversial choice. But maybe it isn't. I don't know. I Mm. want to hear from you, please. Yeah, okay. Uh, So next week, after a couple of really strong episodes, I think on paper, it feels like a bit of a a left swerve <laughs> um, Ali G's in next week's uh, show so that feels like a bit of a what the fuck moment and we do actually get Jennifer Lopez back with another murder remix another pop idol star as well and Rick Waller and our old friend City High have roped in Eve for their follow up mm-hmm.